Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Theology on Tap. Uh, this is also potentially an episode of the very popular podcast, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Uh, it's a J10 initiative. That's right. We're trying to record it. It may or may not work, so thank you for your patience. Uh, it is my distinct pleasure to invite all of you to listen to people who are not me for the next 20-ish minutes. Who yep. We have Deacon Goebel. Greetings, everyone. Deacon Nathan Goebel and Father John Neppel. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being here. Yeah! Uh, why are we here tonight? Anybody? Thank you. One person. One person. Um, actually, I heard a lady from uh, Colorado Springs. Do you have from Colorado Springs? I heard, yeah, I heard some people are coming just because they like zombies. Which is, which is kind of scary, but thank you. My head. Um, so. The reason we're here tonight is because no Theology on Tap is an attempt to create a modern forum wherein we can pursue truth and beauty and talk about interesting stuff with some friends while we have a good drink. Sound good? Yeah. Alright, let's get started. Who wants to take it away? I usually do the introduction, and uh, as this is a podcast uh, that we are recording, we have to begin with our typical podcast beginning. So here we go. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Father John Neppel and the one and only Deacon Nathan Goble. Greetings. We are here live at Katie, what are we at? Katie Callahan's, Katie Mullins, Katie McCaffrey's, Katie O'Donnell's, something like that. Katie Mullins pub here on a very loud, uh, what is it, Monday night. We're talking about zombies and uh, hopefully we will progress beyond zombies to a uh, topic of more substance, but that depends on my friend Deacon Nathan here. We've never shared a microphone before, so this could be a little complicated. We might be fighting over it, so. Yeah, usually John's microphone is the only one that works. <laughs> so I may not give this microphone back for some time. So tonight, when I was asked to think of a topic for Theology on Tap, I was pretty excited because I had an experience that I thought would resonate with what most of you have or have already had or will have after this talk of Zombieland, right? Zombieland's awesome. <laughs> Rule number what? One? Check the bathroom or? Cardio. Cardio, that's right. Cardio. And then Father John and I prepared by watching Shaun of the Dead. But initially, initially, the experience came this summer, okay? So, so everyone had been talking about this show, Walking Dead, right? How many people have finished, like, whatever, season three or whatever? Yeah. So I watched episode one, okay? Now, mind you, right? I watched Silver Bullet when I was six years old. Anybody seen Silver Bullet? Werewolves, right? I wasn't scared of werewolves, because werewolves aren't real. 
What I was scared of was three things. One, recycling. <laughs> because the werewolf attacks the kid when he goes to recycle. Two, seriously, Protestant ministers. Because the Protestant minister, like the nice guy in town, was actually the werewolf. And three, three, anytime I saw a wheelchair, because the werewolf chases after this kid in a wheelchair, and I'm just like, dude, if that's going down, I do not want any part of it, okay? So I don't watch scary movies, but somebody recommended Walking Dead. So I got it on Netflix, I turned it on, I watched the first episode, and of course, you know, it's like uh, Twinkies. Once you eat one, you can't stop, or something like that. Maybe that's Pringles. <laughs> Either way, when you're over 250 pounds, it all blends together, right? <laughs> so, so I watched the, watch the second episode, and I turn it off, and immediately, I walk outside. Uh, oh, no. Okay, tech. I walk outside. <laughs> I walk outside to calm down. Because I wasn't... Yeah. Check one, two turntables and a microphone. Or it's sad. That wasn't even funny, all right? Don't get a ego going. Comedy clubs use the same trick. They delay their start so people have a few drinks and all of a sudden they're just chirpy, chirpy, chirp. So I walk outside to calm down because I'm a little freaked out, a little unnerved, and I don't hear anything. We live, we live on Capitol Hill. The, uh, our house is on Capitol Hill. <laughs> Whatever. Where do you live? Sorry. I live on Capitol Hill. I used to. I thought I was cutting out. Anyways, so I'm, I'm, I go outside. I don't hear a siren. I don't hear a car. I don't hear a dog. I don't hear anybody, right? And immediately I tell myself, I am all alone. <laughs> so what's the first thing I think of? No, not, not exactly. <laughs> I have a shotgun downstairs. <laughs> there is a sports authority located three blocks down the street. Avoid major highways. Go to the Walgreens, get medical supplies. You know, whatever those things are called, snowballs or whatever from uh, Zombieland. But I felt alone. And I thought that that is the scariest thing about zombies, right? Is that ultimately you are alone. And that's what you see in that main character in Walking Dead. He's all by himself. It's not like the fun, because I'd seen Zombieland before. It's not like this fun, happy-go-lucky, you know, like I can, you know, hit him with a bat or whatever. It's like these people are coming for me and I better be ready. And I felt totally alone. And that was scary. You want to comment on that? <laughs> this is like a counseling session. How did, how did that make you feel afterwards? No. We're not really used to sharing a microphone. I'm used to cutting him off and not listening. Just let it happen. And uh, I'm not going to let that happen. The, uh, but uh, it's... Uh, move your arm, please. Thank you. <laughs> we're, we're, we're used to not preparing any podcast. That's like our first rule with Catholic stuff. But... Uh, Usually we don't see disappointed faces. We just, you know, right. it happens as it goes to the internet. So tonight we uh, we kept to our tradition of not really preparing anything. So that was supposed to go for 25 minutes, and that went about four no! minutes. No. 
So, uh, anything else on zombies? No, before I can we cross go. The bridge? I just want to make sure you feel included. You just, I mean, 95% of these people are here to see you, not me, so I get it. As you can tell, rule number one of Catholic stuff is not cardio. So, it's not prepared. No more fat jokes. No more fat Come on, jokes. they love it. He's been telling the same damn jokes for the last five years. Don't laugh at them. Don't laugh at them. But I do want to tell you one thing about Nathan Goble. Age 11, or 12, in the doctor's office. The doctor says to him, Oh, yeah. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And his answer, At home with the supermodel. <laughs> but just, just so I can clear this up, that was, that was third grade. And in fourth grade, I said I wanted to be a missionary. So that kind of even things out. So, Okay, we're talking about zombies. So, we're talking about zombies. And uh, we, we were interested in this topic. And I heard a lot of uh, people saying, This is the stupidest topic I've ever heard. But we are, we are interested in it because uh, zombies are kind of fascinating. They're dead, but they're living, and uh, they're kind of walking around, and they're kind of threatening. And zomb There's been like something like 600 zombie movies since the 1960s. So we're kind of fascinated as a culture by this kind of zombie mentality. And so again, the only preparation we did for this podcast was to watch a zombie movie. I wanted to watch Zombieland. He wanted to watch uh, Shaun of the Dead, which we watched at my sister and brother-in-law's house. Jordan, put your hand up. He's in the back there. Shout out. We, we crashed their house one night to watch this. We get to the end of Shaun of the Dead, and he goes, that was the worst movie ever. I couldn't understand what they were talking about. They're talking in British accents the whole time. Right. I was just like, this is ridiculous. But the, the idea of zombies came to us, and if you read this in the Catholic Register, was that... Uh, we're fascinated by zombies because they're a little too real, right? Werewolves, whatever it might be, uh, it, it's, it's not as much. But this idea of zombies is, is kind of interesting, and it's a little more close to our humanity, close to our reality. And uh, when a seminarian named Connor Lyle, Whitney's brother, found out we were giving this to knock, he goes, uh, he said, I wonder if Father John's just going to complain about technology and give a talk about how technology is turning us into zombies. And I was like... Of course I'm not going to talk about how technology is turning us into zombies. That's a crazy idea. But in many ways, that's the basic point of this talk, is to say we are becoming zombies. And there was a real, like, a real experience I had where I was walking through, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a total creeper, but I'll try anyways. I was walking through Highlands Ranch Rec Center, up the staircase, this is West Ridge, for those of you from Highlands Ranch, okay? You're, you're pretending like you're from Littleton, but what, you're from what? Highlands Ranch, okay? I'm not. Pride of Colorado, Kyla Dahlquist right here. Okay. And I was walking through, and in all seriousness, I walked past this group of about 40 kids watching TV, and I was on the other side of the TV, and it was like, these, it was like literally like the look on their face was what you see in zombie movies. The kids were completely, completely checked out. It was like... One of the scariest things I've ever seen, there's about 40 of them. And I thought to myself, this is what we're doing, right? This is what happened to our generation. This is what happened. This is what we're doing to kids. We put them in front of TVs, we medicate them, and we say, you know, just kind of zone out, be zombie-like for a little while, right? And that's kind of the problem with what the way we're using technology. So Connor Lyle was not right in the sense that this whole talk is not going to be about hating on technology, but I did have to kind of throw that out just for a minute. Okay? Roger. Okay. I just wanted you to take the microphone for a second, okay? I wanted all of the attention. Okay. The point is this, okay? When the, I'm speaking specifically of the phenomena of um, Walking Dead. When the people... Okay, so some of the people have seen it, right? Most of you? 
Familiar with it? Hands raised, whatever. Okay, this guy wakes up in a hospital, realizes that his family's gone, everyone's zombies, he's freaking out, like, you know. But he's trying to reconnect with his family. This guy who somehow survives all of the zombie attacks, he's trying to reconnect with his family. And eventually he, re he uh, connects with other people, because for the first hour of the movie, of the show, he, he doesn't see another person other than the zombies, right? And so within the context of the, the person, like humans, versus the undead, the undead aren't real, right? And they're not, they're not exactly smart. They can't figure out how to get through a gate or whatever, but they're relentless. They're coming no matter what, and you always have to stay on your guard. But the fascinating thing about that movie, about that show, is that the people who aren't zombies are only concerned with their own interests. The main character is one of the only ones who's concerned with someone and something else, uh, namely love. He wants to reconnect with his son and his wife. And then you come, you know, season after season, he's trying to get back to him, whatever, not going to do a spoiler alert or, you know, ruin anything. But he's trying to get back to them. But the fascinating thing is the people, they're not creating anything beautiful. They're not encounter with anything beautiful or anything transcendent. They're not going to mass on Sunday. They're not going to art museums. They're not even looking at nature. Nature is ugly. And they have no time for it because all they have time for is survival, right? And the point is, okay, we're not going to become zombies. I hope. We're not going to become zombies. And we're not going to be people who are running from zombies all the time. But, like John was saying, are we in such a position where we're completely tuned out of the world around us? We're actually not even attentive to the needs of other persons because we're so fascinated with fulfilling our own needs. For zombies, zombie time, whatever, it's food, shelter, water, medicine. For us, it might be success. It might be checking my Facebook status. It might be I'm completely alone and I can't share that with anybody. Nobody knows the inner depth of my life. I am incapable of sharing myself with other people. And a lot of times this gets pushed off into marriage. I hope that someday I find somebody that I can fully communicate myself, whatever. But the point is, this is a need we have right now. We have a need to be known by other persons and to know others. And we want to share and communicate ourselves. But so often in this, in this culture, in this age, even though it seems like we're more connected than ever, I mean, you guys probably found out about this either via the internet, the interwebs, or Facebook, um, or a variety of ways. So we seem to be interconnected, but I don't know a lot of you, and you don't know a lot of me. <laughs> I went to school in Central Illinois. I know too much of you. So, Are you done? Why not? That just, was good. That was good. Just take it. Yeah, I want to have a good. drink. That's good. Grab your beer. Finally, I got it out of me. Okay. Can we put that down for a second? So we crossed the bridge, didn't we? Why not? We, we crossed the bridge. Okay, there was two points to this talk. The first was zombies. The second was this thing called communion. All right? And uh, we, were, we weren't really sure how we were going to kind of cross 
No, the, the first one. one. The first one is that zombies, that zombies awaken in us a fear of being alone. That's why I told that story, right? Maybe I didn't make that point clear. That was clear. a great story. Everybody nod your heads. That was a fantastic right. story. Good work. Man. But like, tell me, when you watch that stuff, when you watch that stuff, don't you think, dude, I am alone? That would freak me out. Were you watching it by yourself? Yeah. Okay. It's a totally different experience than I have from watching Down Abbey. Okay. It should always be done in community. That's right. right. Always. That's right. So as we shift now to uh, the question of communion, right? And remember, this the topic tonight was zombies and the thirst for communion. And Deacon Nathan made a good point about zombies. It's it's a little too real because in many ways we're becoming zombies. And many ways we're living in a world where there's a lot of spiritual people who are kind of acting like zombies walking around us. And the community that we form is more of a survival community than it actually is something that's life-giving. So that was a good point. He did a good job. I'm proud of him. He's just so great. You sound like my seventh grade baseball coach. <laughs> so the, uh, the next point of this talk is to say, okay, what exactly is this thing called communion? Communion, why does it matter? We're not talking about, you know, Gold one, I give you the body of Christ, body of Christ, I'm mass communion. Not that kind of communion. This is a much broader understanding of communion. What we're talking about is a kind of friendship that we call communion. Not every relationship is communion, okay? That's the first thing. Everybody in this bar is in relationship with somebody else right now. But have you experienced communion with somebody? That's another question. And most of us would have to answer no by the end of this talk, okay? Communion is a kind of relationship that is vulnerable, that is known, right? It's a deeper kind of experience of friendship. It's something where I have communion, and the, the root of that union, with another soul. Most of our friendships are not like this. Most of our friendships are, we have common interests, right? We love watching Downton Abbey, Goebbels, you know, friends. That's this kind of circle, right? Whatever it might be. I don't know if you watch it. But it's a common thing that we like to do. We watch baseball, we do whatever. Right? We went to see you together. A lot of us are in a bar like that right now. We have a common interest, a common past, something like that. That doesn't satisfy. That's not communion. Right? That's not a relationship of communion. A relationship of communion is rooted in the God who is himself communion. All right? Mm. And you're like, whoa, okay, now all of a sudden it just turned into theology on tap instead of <laughs> Goebel and Nepal talking about zombies. Okay. God himself, the fullness of communion. Yeah. I think there's only three logical worldviews. I was thinking about this on the way over. Only three options. You want to live your life with meaning? You've got to have a worldview. You want to have a worldview? I think there's only three that are logical, and they come from different presuppositions. One is called Buddhism, one is called nihilism, and one is called Christianity. Christianity is the only one of those three that affirms that something called communion actually exists. All right, let me make that clear. Only one worldview in this life offers and proposes that communion is the root of all things, which is the eternal exchange of perfect love in unity, which we call the Holy Trinity. That is what it means to be a Christian. And to have relationships in relation to that communion, the perfect communion, which is the life of God, that is what we're talking about, the deeper experience of friendship. Now, does that mean that your relationships with people who are not Christian are really bad? Absolutely not. Right? There's a lot of Christians who have horrible relationships, right? Let me give you an example of the guy next to me and myself, okay? We've had a rocky past, okay? It was a rough start. It was great at first. It was amazing, you know, and then all of a sudden, 
we went to Mexico on immersion, all right? And I'm puking my guts out every single day because there are certain latitudes that certain people should never cross. And if you're German, you should never go south of, I don't know, whatever, North Dakota or something like that. <laughs> and my family's sauerkraut is spicy, okay? You don't send us to Mexico. So immediately I get there, my bags are lost. For some reason I was wearing jeans. Huge mistake, don't wear jeans when you're going down there. Bags lost, puking my guts out, and I can't communicate because everyone's speaking this language called Spanish, okay? And in God's providence and his sense of humor, I'm now at a Hispanic parish, okay? Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so we get down there. And what is my experience of living in Mexico for a month? It was hell. It was horrible. And that's no offense to Mexico, right? It's a great place. They were great people. But my experience was hell because I could not communicate myself to anybody. I was the dumb guy at the lunch table, okay? And for lunch we're eating like, uh, I don't know, like we had like potato salad that one day. I was like, you gotta be kidding. A tortilla and potato salad, this is all we're eating. Goebbels up on the table singing Shakira songs. Everybody's going crazy. <laughs> that actually happened, by the way. <laughs> for multiple days on end. And it's just like, he's like this like, you know, sub-god up there because he can sing every word of Shakira in Spanish. And I'm sitting in the corner laughing about three minutes behind everybody because I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> So I just kind of, yeah, I'm going to eat my potato salad. Okay. But why it was hell was because I could not communicate myself, right? When we talk about friendships, relationships that are communion, we talk about communicating. That's where we get the word communicate, right? Can you dispose who you are? Is there anybody in this bar right now who actually knows who you are? There might be a lot of friendships. Again, a lot of different relationships. Maybe we're even having a good time. But the only thing that will satisfy at the end of your life yeah. and tomorrow is that you are actually known, which means you can communicate yourself and be communicated by another. You can receive how another communicates himself. That's what communion is all about. That's what I was deprived of for a month in Mexico. So every week on the week, I would go into his bedroom, shut the door, and I would start screaming at him in English. Why? Because he's a jerk? Well, yeah, he's a jerk, but that's beside the point. I had to communicate who I was and my frustration, and I would scream at him for about 15 minutes in English, and all the Hispanic seminaries would run to the window, and they would, because there was no uh, closed windows, because it was in, uh, in the Yucatan Peninsula, it was so hot. And I would just scream at him, and then I'd be like, all right, I feel better now, thank you. And he would receive that. It's a sign of a good friend, all right? Even if he's, uh, you know, wearing a goofy hat tonight. He's a good friend. Because he knows how to receive when I communicate myself on the deepest level. When I am the messiest, the poorest, the weakest, a true friend in communion is someone who can receive that and love that. That's what we need. That's what we're about cultivating tonight. And if we don't have that, we're going to end up just being zombies as we move through life. You're up. He did yell at me. This is a counseling session. This really is. The, um, the point is this. Because... Do this. Oh, I'm doing the Joe Digert where I'm taking stuff. This guy, he, whenever he talks about anything, he like takes stuff off, yeah. takes stuff off shelves and puts them down here, and then he takes another idea and then he puts it over here. Um, the point Watch is, if you're here for theology on tap, I mean, I'm glad you actually brought God into it, so thank you. Um, we're destined, we're destined for heaven, okay, and we want to experience that. And, I don't know, I can't remember what, who sang that song, Ooh, Heaven is a Place on Earth, you know what I'm talking about? But it begins, 
It begins. Belinda Carla. Belinda Carla. Thank you. It begins here. Our capacity to love is formed here. And if you are incapable of loving here, what light bulb's going to go off and all of a sudden heaven's just going to be awesome because you're incapable. I'm incapable of loving. I'm incapable of loving other people in their brokenness. It's difficult. Dorothy Day said something amazing about the poor. Somebody asked her. She'd been working with the poor for years. They said, what, are, what, are, what, are, what, do, we know, what do we need to know about the poor most of all? She says, they're ungrateful and they smell bad. It breaks our perception of what this is going to be, what this encounter is going to be. Because friendship isn't always like, oh my God, the Cardinals just won the World Series, which, which we're, hope, we're hoping for. That's awesome, and I'm hoping for that, but it's, it doesn't last. It doesn't last beyond. And the, the frightful thing is that I'll be left with these pithy desires that I have and be, and be trapped in this kind of spiritual claustrophobia, right? Where everything around me is, is closing in and I'm not actually able to share myself with anyone. That's frightening. That's the perfect definition of what hell is. Whereas heaven is the communion of love, the dynamic of love to which we're called into, and this begins in seed form now. Jesus wants you to know other persons because the other person is a sacrament of the other, of God. No person has the fullness of the perfection of whatever quality about God it is, humor, truth, freckles, um, you know, sorority girl type, I don't know, all of her in the mind of God, okay? The point is, when you, when you encounter another person, you encounter a sacrament of the fullness of who God is. But it's only, it's only a taste. But getting to know another person is a tremendous opportunity to share yourself. And when John and I were talking about actually doing this talk, the hope was this, right? It's not just that we come together for one night. You know, we had some good times, dude. Remember that Monday night we had all those people there? And they all laughed. That was awesome, you know? It's not about that. It's about facilitating communion between persons, right? Because we're all, I mean, most of us are Catholic here. Most of us are Christian here. Some of them aren't. That's awesome. There are people in this bar whom you don't know. Get to know them. Get to know other people. This is a great opportunity to meet other people. Not just as some Catholic mixer or whatever in the hopes that like, you know, like, um, you know, like the NBA draft lottery or something like that as all the balls are going around that all of a sudden like you're just going to meet your future spouse and it's just like, score! Forget all the rest of those people. I made it, baby. Right? No, it's about encountering other people to form deep friendships. Not just friendships of utility, not just friendships of convenience, not just friendships around CU Buffs or St. Louis Cardinals or Downton Abbey or zombies. It's about forming relationships around Jesus Christ. That was a good hand up. Okay, we're coming into the close. Last couple minutes here. So I want to get real practical for a second. We're going to crash, crash land here. The, uh, 
But I, I want to get practical, which is not exactly my strength for anybody who knows me, okay? At least practical human being on the planet. But we got to get down to it right now. From the second that you leave college until the day you drop your kids off at school, you are in the greatest lack, absence of communion, community, that exists. You are in a total kind of freak holding pattern until you get married, until you have kids, and then you start to rebuild community around your kids, around the hockey team, around whatever it might be, okay? That's where we need to locate ourselves. If you fall between that, from 22 on May 22nd, whatever it was when you left college, until the day you drop your kids at school, you are in the greatest lack of community of your life. And for some people, that's a very short period. That could be five years, whatever. Some people, it's going to be 20 years. Who knows? What has to happen is we have to recognize that in that period, between college and when you drop your kids at school, we have to be extremely intentional about building community because there is not the natural settings by which that community can be fostered. We have this thing we call the Denver Catholic community, all right? It's not a community. I'm sorry to tell you that. I'm sorry to break hearts. It's not a community. And if I say one thing loud and clear, it's not a community and we need to make it one. And the way that we make it a community is not by everybody thinks Nathan Goble is funny, so we're all going to come whenever he has theology on tap, right? That's not what we do. But what has to happen is you have to have a lived expression of communion right now. Okay, let me say that again. We got to get concrete. We got to get practical. Who's in your life who actually knows who you are? Do you have somebody, and I mean at least weekly, who is checking in with you, who's holding you accountable, who you can be vulnerable to, who's helping you with prayer? The reason why we're floundering in prayer and in the Christian life, all of us, priests, deacons, everybody, is because we try and do it by ourselves. We're American, we're individual, we don't need anybody, especially the guys here. We don't need community, right? We're the cowboys, we're going to ride off into the sunset, we can drop everything at any moment and be fine. That's what we like to think. It's a lie, it's crazy. So we got to start again as Christ did. What did he do? God became man and he took 12. He took 12, that's it. And he said, you 12 are going to walk with me. And then you guys are going to go out two by two. And you're going to find another 12. And you're going to find another 12. 2,000 years later, here we are. But for some reason, we think we can do it the opposite. You're not going to find communion in your parishes. I hate to tell you that. You're not going to find it there. And you're not going to find it by coming to the young adult Catholic things. These are great events. You've got to have people who actually know you. Right? When I met this clown, he showed up. All right, let me tell you this story real quick here. You're probably sick of hearing about our awkward relationship, but, you know, it's, it's okay. I looked at a, a, a photo of Focus Missionaries, okay, oh, no. fellowship of Catholic University students. I saw people like Megan McCartney, and I was like, wow, these people are beautiful. They're amazing, talented. And then I saw one guy on the page, and I said, who the hell is that guy? He looks like he's British. It was Nathan Goldberg. And little did I know, God would drop this guy in my life as one of my closest friends, right? So how did it begin? He came to seminary, and I said, hey, we should go on a mandate sometime and just kind of get to know each other, right? So we went to, do you remember Nathan? I remember him. <laughs> Los Carboncitos, anyone? Yeah. Los Carboncitos, it's amazing, amazing. Go there sometime. 38th and Pecos. Isn't there two locations? 38th, I know where every single one of them is. Uh, 38th and Pecos, 6th and Sheridan, and Colfax, and 225. There you go. 
Los Carboncitos. That's where it began. But what happened was an experience, a lived expression of communion that has now lasted for eight years. Right? This guy knows everything about me. He knows all of my weaknesses. I've been a mess. I've screamed at him in seminary rooms in Merida, Mexico. He has been through everything with me. And I know that for the next 60 years of our life, he will stand by me in whatever I do and whatever I need. I know that. I know that about him. And he knows that I'll do the same. The question is, do you have that in your life? That's the question. And before you leave tonight, will you make an act to say, it's going to look different, and I need to help with that, right? That's my job. The priest's job and the deacon's job is to facilitate lived expressions of communion. You don't have anybody in your life. My job is to connect you with somebody who can plug you into a small community after tonight. Nobody should leave here saying, that was cool, that was nice, but I want to just kind of disappear again into the crowds, become a zombie, and kind of show up to receive the sacraments. If we're serious about holiness, we got to do it tonight, and we got to do it together. And we got to start over. Instead of the large events, we got to start small. we got to start with five people, with one person, with 12 people. And there can be all kinds of ways that this can happen. Communion liberation is a great example. What Johnny O'Brien's trying to do at Our Lady Lords is a great example. There are youth ministers here who have core teams focused on evangelizing. My brother in the back, he's the goofy looking one. Steve? Yeah, he's not paying attention either. He's got ADD. Martha Obermiller, not, well, kind of with the hair, but other than that, you know. Good looking one. And then Kyle over here. Three people in different parts of the city who have core teams working to evangelize, right? You plug into this, you commit to this, and all of a sudden your life's going to look different, your faith's going to come alive, I promise you that, all right? So don't leave tonight without talking to us. We'll get you plugged in. We'll get you connected to somebody. We have to change the way that we're living if we want to be saints. Otherwise, we're going to become zombies. You got anything else? You just sounded like Tupac. <laughs> we gotta, we got to change the way we live. we got to change the way we treat each other. we got to work up to survive. <laughs> but i got to make some changes. <laughs> I was a thuglet, that's right. What I think is fascinating is... This um, is it, by the way. Yeah, this is it. Because then we want to take some questions, if anybody has any. Women do this semi-naturally, right? John mentioned it. We had to schedule a mandate, right? We have to actually schedule, as men, times in which we talk about these things called feelings, right? Like, to actually say to one another, I'm really ticked off because of this, this, and this. Because if not, it's just like, Broncos, rah, rah, rah. Smittix, rah, rah, rah. Mumford and Sons, rah, rah, rah. Right? But women naturally get together to understand what's going on in each other's lives. But, I mean, as with anything woman, I don't understand it. Okay? Celibate. Right here. Um... <laughs> But if you're, able, if you're able to go to a deeper level, you know, and ladies, maybe you're already doing this, but if you're able to go to the level of desires, fears, sins, um, graces, all those things, that opens up new channels of grace. Guys, those words are really weird, right? Because it makes you look like a woman. <laughs> but you've got to understand what did Jesus do with the disciples? A lot of it's reported in the scriptures, right? You can piece together like when he was talking to them. What were the disciples doing whenever Jesus wasn't paying attention to them? They were fighting. They were fighting about what? 
Who is the most important? Who's awesome? You know, I'm better at Mario Kart than you. Yeah, well, I could kill you in Smash Brothers. You know, like, all that stuff, right? But, like, what Christ is trying to do is lead them into a deeper friendship with each other, right? Not just with Him. Not just He's the epicenter and, like, all of them need to go out from Him. Because, you know, you have friends of friends of friends of friends, but then you don't actually know that person. No, they knew one another. They knew one another and they supported one another. Um, And that's the kind of friendship that will sustain you. A lot of what we experience in seminary is like getting thrown into a kennel with 63 other puppies and like barking at each other for seven years, right? But you don't get that experience. You don't get that opportunity. So you have to place yourself in not opposition, but like face to face with other people. Guys, I can tell you, we don't do coffee, beers even, whatever. Best thing you can do, take a road trip. Go somewhere. When you're side by side, when you're sitting by a fire, when you're side by side, you're able to talk more frankly. Women, it's face to face. Again, celibate, don't understand it. Um, but I just, I just encourage you because the friendships that we have now the friendships that we cultivate with each other, the friendships that we cultivate with the saints, and the friendship that we cultivate with Christ last into eternity. Into eternity. And our God is a God of the living. The living. To be in heaven is to be more fully alive. Our God is a God of the living, not of the dead. Amen. Amen. We're done here. Yeah, let's give Deacon Nathan a round of applause. Oh yeah, we have to we have to finish it. No, 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 okay. not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. So that what? So we have to do our normal questions, ending to the podcast. We'll do questions I know, no, no. first. Oh, we're gonna do questions, questions first. Okay. Let's do a couple questions. Yeah. If you have questions, come down here by uh, Ducky and uh, Dave Hazen. If you don't, stay where you are. <laughs> and that's what you're all doing. Anybody got questions? Looks like we've answered all of your questions. That's it. Oh, Just raise your hand. Johnny O'Brien. John O'Brien, make up a question. Raise your hand. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay, now. What? That's cool. Nikki. By the way, this is this is my only friend in Denver from uh, Central Illinois. If you're from Central Illinois, say what what? What about Dave? Oh yeah, and Dave, the guy standing right in front of me. Oops. Sorry. I I just um not to push on the spot here, but seeing as Nathan and I have been friends for a long time, he talked a lot about women being friends with each other. He talked a lot about men being friends with each other, and I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about having a prudent, holy friendship between men and women, especially single men and women, and how, whether or not that's, or how it's possible and and how to facilitate that. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki's my friend. I do have girlfriends. Um, can guys and girls be friends? That was the question if nobody, if nobody heard. Can guys and girls be friends without making out? Maybe, that, maybe I'm extrapolating now got, that. Now we got a bet. Um, I, think, I think it's beautiful when you're capable of communicating yourself to someone without self-interest. 
Because friendship, according to um, Thomas or Augustine or some really important person that you'll be impressed by, um, is, is loving another for the sake of the other and not for anything that they give me or not for anything that they do for me. Um, and many times those friendships that begin, not just platonically, but like as, you know, I don't know, like on the very basic level. Nikki and I just happened to be in the same Catholic group in Decatur, Illinois, which means there was only like five of us, right, in our small town. But what, what grew was an opportunity to share a beautiful, beautiful thing known as suffering, right? High school, suffering, right? Junior high, more suffering, right? But illness, the death of a parent, the lack of any semblance of movement in the spiritual life or in terms of your vocation, to be able to share that with another person is a great grace. Um, and so if you find yourself naturally attracted, well, yeah, I mean, to women, but I mean, like, to share yourself with women, well, if you already have one, then go deeper. But it's interesting that Christ had both woman friendships, women friendships, and predominantly male friendships, you know? Because I, I think women and men would both echo, they can share themselves more easily with the members of their same sex. But it's not impossible. Just to add to that real quick, and we're hitting our max time here, so we got to... Uh, max close time! Up. Max time. The, uh, the answer I would say to that is, it's possible if you have closer friendships with people of the same sex. All right. When I look at my life and uh, some relationships that I've destroyed over the last five years, I don't think any of them are here, hopefully not, but uh, it usually comes from a disorder. I'm looking for something more. So we got to be careful. C.S. Uh, Lewis says, all relationships between men and women lead to eros. That's a strong line. It leads to desire. It leads to a desire for intimacy. I think it's possible. I think it's beautiful. I think what you have with, uh, what was her name, Emily? Nikki. Nikki, sorry. Yeah, it's possible. But unless you have friends, deep, intimate community with people of the same sex, I wouldn't even try and risk having friendship outside of your vocation without that, okay? We need to close it off. Uh, we're at our limit here, so we'll take any questions afterwards if we need to. But Catholic Stuff Podcast. That's right. Gmail.com.